I just I want to say how thankful and, and humbled I am to, to be here today. Um, I've gotten a chance to meet many of you and shook your hand and uh, hang out with Pastor Keith. And, um, you know, it's just this church, when I stepped foot in it for my first interview, I just, I just followed God's direction. And he just said, you know, I got a, I got a Facebook message and he, uh, from Tommy and said, hey, would you be interested in interviewing for this position? And I said, me? You, you won't, I, I thought Tommy was saying that he was interviewing for the position, and, and, uh, and I said, oh, you want me to come in and interview, and, and, uh, and I said, well, okay, and, and that was it, and, and, and so I prayed upon it, and I said, God, is this, is this where you want me to go, and, and immediately I went to, I'm not qualified, I'm not qualified for this position, and I kept hearing him say to me, I've called you, and, and I will qualify you. And so, drove down from Marion, uh, came down and, and interviewed like I was um, being uh, interviewed before, uh, that I was guilty, and, and, and the seats were put before me in a, in a, in a half circle, and everybody leaned on their knees and said, okay, here we go. And um, can't tell you I wasn't nervous, uh, but I just poured my heart out and let, let them know what God did, has done in my life, and um, how much I love the Lord. And just to answer honestly, and um, we've went through many different interviews, and we met, went through many different uh, preaching sessions, and and uh, and here I am today. And uh, it's not by me, it's not by my ability, it's uh, it's by His ability and, and His power. So I'm here today, just a humble man, to preach God's word, and I just want to thank you guys for for having me here. Um, I've already kind of got tried to pulled into some shenanigans. Uh, but Pastor Keith, uh, some of you know, he's, a, he's an avid trail runner. And uh, on Friday, he tried to sabotage me. And uh, he said, do you want to go run with me and Tommy? And I said, well, maybe. Started thinking about it. And uh, he, said, uh, he said, we're going to go run. We're going to start at uh, Lake James, short off, right? And we're going to run up towards uh, Linville. And I said, that's, that's more than 15 miles, man. That's, that's, that's pretty far. And uh, they ended up going, and I said... And I said, no. I said, I'm not doing that. Uh, I used to be an avid Spartan racer and, and, and owned a gym in Marion. And, uh, and I said, I'm, I'm smartened up. <laughs> I smartened up. I'm not, I'm, I don't think I'm going to do that. Do you want me to preach on Sunday? you want me to be able to walk up these stairs? And you can see he's faking it really good right now. All right. And, and Tommy can't fake it. Tommy can't fake it. You watched him lean on this, on this podium up here like this. So, uh, But I just... I just Felt so much love in this church. Um, a friend of mine, Tim, just said, first time he walked in the door today, he's, he's from uh, my hometown uh, church in, in, in Grace uh, Community Church, and he said, this is a good church. God's here. These people are loving. This is a, this is a beautiful place. So I just, I'm just excited to be here. So let's get into uh, God's word and, and get to what really matters. And we're going to be in uh, Matthew 19, uh, starting in verse 16. I'll give you a little... Little time to open your Bibles there. Matthew 19, verse 16. It starts off And behold, one came and said unto him, Good master, what good thing shall I do that I may have eternal life? And he said unto him, Why callest thee thou me good? There is none good but one, 
that is God. But if thou wilt enter into life, keep the commandments. He said unto him, which? Jesus said, thou shalt do no murder, thou shalt not commit adultery, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not bear false witness. Honor thy father and mother, and thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. The young man said unto him, all these things I have kept from my youth up, what lack I yet? Jesus said unto him, if thou wilt be perfect, go and sell all thou dost hast, and give to the poor, and thou shalt have treasure in heaven, and come and follow me. But when the young man heard that, saying, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. Then said Jesus unto his disciples, verily I say unto you, that a rich man shall hardly enter into the kingdom of heaven. And again I say unto you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of the needle than for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of God. When his disciples heard it, they were exceedingly amazed, saying, Who then can be saved? But Jesus beheld them and said unto them, With men this is impossible, but with God all things are possible. So we start off uh, in verse 16, and he says, Behold, one came and said unto him, Good master, what good thing shall I do that I may have eternal life? And so Gospels Mark and Luke also have this same account of this same man coming up to him, but they differ just slightly, and they talk about a little bit more about who the man was. In this scripture, it just says, And behold, one came to him. Uh, but in the Gospels of, uh, of Mark, it actually said this man came running and kneeling to him. All right? And in Luke's Gospel, it says that he was a rich young ruler. All right, so there's a possibility that he was possibly a, a young Pharisee or a religious man. It's not common for a, for a uh, religious man uh, at that point in time to run at all. all right, so, and so this man is running to Jesus, and he calls him good master. Master also meaning teacher. Right? So he says, good master. He does not know who Jesus is, and he calls him good. Jesus turns and says, why do you call me good? There is none good but God. And so the law promised, as Jesus was, was telling him to keep the commandments. All right, and he said unto him, why callest thou me good? There is none good that is, but that is God. If thou wilt enter into life, keep the commandments. So he said to him, which ones do I keep? Jesus rattles off six commandments. He rattles off, do not murder, do not commit adultery, do not steal, do not bear false witness, honor the father and mother, and love thy neighbor as thyself. The law promised life to those who kept it. Leviticus 18.5 says, ye shall therefore keep my statutes and my judgments, which if a man do, he shall live in them, I am the Lord. And so we have a, a list of the six uh, of, of what Jesus told him to do. And so Jesus holding the law up to the man was designed to show them this man's inability to obtain life through this. This man looks at the law, and we're looking at it on screen, but he's looking, he's checking himself out, saying, I have not committed murder, I have not committed adultery, I haven't stolen anything, I haven't lied. 
I've always honored my mother and father and loved my neighbor as myself, but just grazed over it. So the young man says in verse 20, the young man saith unto him, all things have I kept from my youth up. What lack I yet? And so I named this, uh, this sermon, What Do I Still Lack? It's a, a different uh, translation to What Lack I Yet. What do I still lack? And so obviously as the man was coming to Jesus and he falls down on his knees and he says, Good Master, what must I do to in, uh, have eternal life? He feels as though something is lacking. Today, do you feel like something is lacking? Do you feel like you've done all you could and, and you've, you've, you've cleaned up your life and you've done all the things that you felt were good, but do you still feel like something's missing? This is what this man felt like. And so to, to bring this deeper, um, you know, he would say, I have never murdered anybody before. And many of you sitting here today probably have never murdered anybody before, but have you? Because Jesus says in Matthew 5 that whosoever is angry with his brother without a case shall be in danger of the judgment. Some people will say, I've never committed adultery before. But Jesus says in Matthew 5, 28, but I tell you that anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. So now this, this goes deeper. This shows us that even our thoughts can be sins. We sin habitually. We can't wake up and make a cup of coffee without sinning. Amen? And the person that does not say, well, well, today I was pretty good. I don't even think I sinned today, is oblivious to what is really going on in their life. The law is like a mirror. The Ten Commandments is like a mirror that shows us what sin is. At the same time, that shows us that we're sinners and guilty before a just and holy God. H.A. Ironside says, if men would seek to gain eternal life by doing good, the law challenges them to perfect obedience because all have sinned. It is not possible for anyone to be justified by the deeds of the law. The law speaks with awful force to an awakened conscience giving one to realize the hopelessness of ever obtaining eternal life by human merit. You can't do it. You can't make it to heaven without the blood of Jesus Christ. You can't make it. There is no other way. There is no other way. The law tells us it is impossible. My six-year-old daughter, she was coloring uh, the Ten Commandments and, and had Moses holding the Ten Commandments and said, let's go over these. We went over a kid's version of the Ten Commandments, and she starts to go over them, and she says, I've almost broken every one of those except for adultery. <laughs> At six. And I said, I love you, baby. And I, and I, and, 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 but yes, you have. Yes, you have. And all of you have too. We've broken every one of the commandments multiple times. So many times, we would just be completely dumbfounded. So Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. We're all sinners. Every single one of us. We're all dead in sin, we, or we used to be dead in sin. For some of you, that might be the case today. Jesus said unto him in verse 21, if thou will be perfect, 
you see how he says this? If that will be perfect, you know, I'm, I'm sure Jesus did not say it that way. But, but if that would be perfect, I, you know what? I believe Jesus got sad. I believe he got upset. I believe he said, if that would be perfect. Because if you think that you're perfect, mm, if you think that you're perfect, Jesus is right now, he's, he's crying over it. He's, he's weeping over the fact that you think that you're perfect. And he says to him, if that would be perfect, go and sell all that, all that you have. Give it to the poor, and you have treasure in heaven, and come follow me. So he says, go sell all you have, give it to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Come follow me. I look at that, and I say, that's a good deal. But there's many people here that value what they have. They value their possessions. They value their idols. They, uh, they value the things of this world that... They, they, they hold on to those things so much. They value so many things in this world. And they look at that and they go, nah, ain't worth it to me. And we weep. We cry. Those who know the truth, we, we weep with Christ. Jesus, knowing all things, knows the man's wealth has become his means to personal identity power and sense of meaning that it has become his idol an idol a god in his life a god in his life breaking the first commandment that you shall have no other god before me is that is that an eye opener to you that that you could actually love your car so much or love your house so much or love the things that you have or people so much that you could actually love them more than God and when you love them more than God then that is your God and and that becomes your idol and then you're breaking the first commandment and you're actually breaking the second commandment right along with it make no idols Jesus strategy is to turn the man's focus from the law now to his idol revealing the God of his life so he's showing the man this is the God of your life ultimately answering the man's question here, Jesus calls him to give away everything. He says, give away everything. Lay it all down. Give it up. Give up what's holding you back. Lay it all. Lay it all at the foot of the cross, we'd like to say. Ultimately answering the man's question, what must I do to have eternal life? You must surrender. You must give up all of your possessions. You must give up all of your things. Here's the thing. I'm not saying... You sell your house, you sell your car, and then you walk down the street with a backpack on. I'm saying, does those things have your heart? Is that what you worship? Is that what means everything? Can you say, if my house burns down and my car burns down and I lose all my material possessions and I lose my car, I lose my job, I leave everything, can you say, I've still got everything because I have Christ? Can you say that? And we're going to go, we're going to look real quick over a list of 20 idols. So now it's a time for a self-check. And so we're going to go scan scan over this very fast. Uh, I have power and influence over others. That would be called a power idolatry. I am loved and respected, uh, I'm loved and respected. Approval idolatry. 
Do you do things so that people can praise you? I have this kind of pleasure experience and a particular quality of life, a comfort idolatry. I'm able to get mastery over my life in the area of this, a control idolatry. People are dependent on me and need me. I have a helping idolatry. Someone is there to protect me and keep me safe, dependence idolatry. I am completely free from obligations or responsibilities, take care of someone, independence idolatry. I am highly productive and getting a lot, of, a lot done, work idolatry. I am being recognized for my accomplishments and I am excelling in my work, achievement idolatry. I believe number nine is, is, is a very, very popular one. And so in, uh, in verse, uh, let me see here, I have certain, okay, these two, um, are, are the two main ones here. I believe that these two are the main ones that this man is suffering from. I have a certain level of wealth and financial freedom and very nice possessions. He has a materialism idolatry and I am adhering to my religion, moral codes and accomplished in its activities. A religion idolatry. I'm following the rules. I'm doing everything I'm told to do. But when the young man heard that saying, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. Jesus told him what he needed to do to have eternal life. But whatever Jesus was offering was going to cost him his pride, and it was going to cost him his possessions, and it was a price that was too high even for eternal life. He wanted eternal life only as an add-on to what he had already possessed. Let's, let's read that over again. He wanted eternal life only as an add-on to what he already possessed. He loved himself, not God. He loved earth, not heaven. And he loved the material, not the spiritual. Self-check. And this is not trying to point fingers. Or everybody can point right back at me. But this, is it not something that you have to humble yourself every day about? Is it something not every day that you have to say, I'm less, he is more. What I have, he's given to me. I'm not able to step or breathe or blink or see without his command. So anything you have and anything you can do is from God, not you. Someone was telling me a friend of theirs had passed away last week. His wife was sitting next to him, and he sat up and went, <gasps> couldn't breathe, and he passed away. I had a friend just a few years ago before I was saved, and I know he was a Christian man, and uh, he was from Florida, and I find out through fa a Facebook post from his wife that he passed away, and he was only 40, worked out all the time, had three kids, a new baby. He didn't wake up. He just didn't wake up. There could be a point in time when you go to bed, and then you just don't wake up. We could walk out these doors today and walk out those doors and we get in our car and we're thinking we're going to go eat and then it's done. 
We don't know we're going to die. We can't make a 10-year plan, a 30-year plan, or a whatever plan. We don't know. And so in verse 23, Jesus says, Then said Jesus unto his disciples, Verily I say unto you that a rich man shall hardly enter into the kingdom of heaven. And again I say unto you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of the needle and for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. When his disciples heard it, they were exceedingly amazed, saying, Who can be saved? Who can be saved? But Jesus held, beheld them and said to them, With men, this is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. Is Jesus really that serious? Is he really that serious that we just go a little further outside our text in verses 29 and 30, just a little bit further, and he says, everyone that has forsaken houses or brothers or sisters or father or mother or wife or children or lands for my sake shall receive a hundredfold and shall inherit everlasting life. But many that are first shall be last and the last shall be first. In your household, there will be one that chooses Christ, and then there'll be one who says no. And you will, you, your household will divide because of him, and you will say, I choose Jesus because he's my everything. He's the son of God. He died for my sins. He makes me breathe. He provides for me. You're my father and your mother, and I love you. But I follow him, and, and I, I. He made me. He made me. He, he knitted me in your womb. And I love you, and I want you to know him. Do you have a testimony? Do you have a testimony of the day? You gave your life to Christ. You have a testimony when you said, I'm done. I'm done. And I, I can't do this anymore. I'm trying so hard. Trying to make it. Trying to make it to the big time. Trying to, trying to provide for my family. Trying to take care of my kids. I'm trying, to, I'm trying to be smart. I'm trying to keep my marriage together. I'm trying this, that, and the other. Do you have a time when you said, I can't do it anymore. And I've got to give up. Do you have that moment? Do you have that time? Do you have that testimony? Because in Revelation it says that we are saved by the blood of the Lamb and our testimony. So when you die here, you're not dead forever. Your soul goes somewhere. Where is your soul going? Where is your soul going? Do you know? Do you have with, I don't want to hear, I hope I know. Because that's what I said to Someone that was witnessing to me, he said, when you die, are you going to heaven? I said, I hope so. He said, that's not good enough. I want you to know, and there's a way you can know. There's a way you can know. You've got to read this book, but I'm preaching you the word right now. Four takeaways. We are all guilty. We're all guilty. We've all broken the law. Can't save yourself. Only repentance and trust in your life to Jesus Christ can save you. And 
what did Jesus say? That I am the way, the truth. There is no other truth besides me. And I am the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. There is no other way but by way of the cross, but by Jesus Christ. There is no other way. You say, well, well, that's like telling everybody else they're wrong. I'm not telling them they're wrong. Jesus is telling them they're wrong. The one who created this world, the one who created the trees and the mountains and the air and all the things that we eat up and we take in and we hoard and we, we say that it's mine, it's mine, it's mine. He made it. He gave it to us. And by his mercy, we're still here. And by his grace, we are still here. Because he loves us. How do we know he loves us? That he sent his one and only son to die on the cross for our sins. That's how we know God's love for us. Is that we were on a train straight to hell. We couldn't save ourselves. We couldn't do it. There was nothing we could do. And he knew that. The love for Christ makes self-surrender easy. The love for Christ makes self-surrender easy. The love of yourself makes it impossible. Makes it impossible. So now that we know the bad news, there's good news. You say, I have to, I'm not willing to, I'm not willing to give up my pride. I'm not willing to give up my possession. I'm not willing to give away. I have, I, I just realized that I have an idol, but I'm just not ready yet. I'm not ready yet. What I don't want for you is to walk out that door and be unsure. I don't want you to walk out that door sorrowful like this man did and walked away sorrowful because you don't have to. At this moment, you have a savior ready to save you. A father that's saying, look at my son, who I am well pleased with. Look at my son. Look what he did for you. He did it for you. He did it for you. He did it for me. He did it for you. He did it for everyone, Bob and Terry and, and, and Mo and Paula and Tim and Sam and Mary and Leah and everybody. He loves you. He loves you. He bankrupted heaven. He left heaven. He left his possessions to come be you, to be in the flesh, to be a baby, to live a life just like you. He knows what you feel. He knows everything. But guess what? He never sinned. And when you look at those commandments, he never broke a single one of them because he loved you. And so you say, well, I know he died on the cross for my sins, but he lived 30 years of his life with this focus on his father and says, tell me what you want me to do, God. I, I got to follow you. I can't. This world is attacking me. The devil's attacking me. What do you want me to do, Lord? And he just focused on him the way that we could never do it, but he did. And so when he went to the cross, they took him and he let them take him. People say, man, they, they arrested him and it was so wrong what they did to Jesus. He let them do it. He took them. They took him and, they, and they, they, they put him in shackles. They put him in shackles and they, they took him and they put him in prison and they whipped him and they beat him and they beat him to the point that he could not be recognized. He was disfigured. People say, well, he just was whipped a little bit. 
he was beaten and crushed like no other man had ever been beaten or crushed and ever. No movie can do it justice. It's a horrible sight and people don't want to think about it, but that's what he did for you. So think about it every day. When they took him, he was thinking about you. People say, well, he died for the whole world. Yes, he did die for the whole world, but he was thinking about you. You've got to have it. You've got, it's got to be a personal relationship. He had you on his mind. He created you. He died for you, not just for the world. It's for you. And so when he, they took him, they beat him. They took him up to the cross. They made him carry his cross. Jesus tells us to carry our cross, to carry the hard life that we have to live because he suffered for you. So we must suffer for him. Is he not worthy to be suffered, to suffer for? Who's told you that your life, because you believe in Jesus Christ, now you have everything that you desire and want? Because that's a false teacher. You will suffer for Christ because he's worth it. And the joy and the peace of him being in you is why we can push on. And the promise that we will one day be with him in heaven, the greatest treasure that we should possess is Christ, and the greatest hope that we should look for is being in his arms when we die on this earth. And you keep that in thought, you're going to be all right. You're going to be all right. And when he was on that cross, they put nails in his hands and his wrists, and his feet, and he struggled to breathe on that cross, and he thought of you. And if you think that God can't forgive you, as they were spitting on him and pulling his beard out and doing all the things they were doing, he said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. When he was on the cross at his worst, he said, Father, forgive them, for these men not know what they're doing to me. He prayed for the people that persecuted him and attacked him. Is that not love? That is love, my friends. And that's how much he loves you. We deserve the wrath of God. We deserve it. For those that are not in Christ, the wrath of God is on you. The wrath of God is on you, but it does not have to be. It does not have to be. When Jesus was on the cross... He said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And the father could not look on his son. He poured out your sin and my sin and all the wrath onto his son that he loved for you. Poured the wrath onto his son for you so that you didn't have to pay for the wrath. Poured it out on his son. And he died. He says, it is finished. He died. Jesus died. They put him in a tomb. And they closed the tomb up. And three days later, he arose. He rose again. Amen. He rose again. And because he rose again, we have life in him. And everyone that gives their life to him Gives their life, gives everything to him. Take, take my sins, Lord. Take, take all the wrongdoings. Take all the thing I did. I'm, I'm sorry. I live my life for you, Lord. 
I give it up. I give it up. Because you, you laid your life down. We'll have eternal life in him. So if you don't know the Lord today, or if, if you feel as though you don't know, you're doubting, or maybe you just need to repent. Maybe you, maybe you just need to say, God, I'm sorry. This altar is here for a reason. This altar is here for a reason. Do not leave today without repenting. Say, Jesus, I'm sorry. Or maybe you need to give your life to him today. Maybe today's the day where you need to say, I'm done wondering. I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. I want, today's the day. You feel, you feel that he, he's saying, come, come daughter, come son. Today's the day. So I'll finish with a prayer. Lord Jesus, thank you so much. Thank you so much for dying on the cross for our sins. Thank you so much for your love and your grace and your mercy. You didn't have to do what you did. But you love us. You love you loved us, but you love us. You're here right now. We thank you for who you are. We bless your holy name. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.